Welcome back. We are starting a new series this week because it's June. I know that in some ways it feels like June because it's hot outside, in some ways it doesn't because it's not the typical year, obviously, for several reasons. Uh, the series that I'm starting tonight is called Once Upon a Time because I want to take a look at Jesus' parables. I want to take a look at four of, of I, I don't want to say the most popular ones, but four of the ones that I think we know the best and look at how uh, not only what they mean then affected people, how it impacted people, but, but what we can still take from them. Because every time you read one, especially if it's one that you've read over and over and over again, you'll find that you can, can realize new wisdom coming from it. Because Jesus was amazing, obviously. And I know that goes without saying if you're watching this, but, but it's so cool to be able to look at these stories and look at how he teaches. Uh, he was perfect. He is perfect. He is holy. He is the Son of God. He is fully human and fully divine. And yet, instead of standing there and just saying, hey, listen to me, and this is exactly what you have to do, he would tell stories. Now, he would preach about living right, but he would also just tell stories so that people could get it themselves. Because what you'll find, and you can probably go on Facebook for five minutes, although you're on it now, so stay where you are, but, and see that if you try to convince someone of something, it's pretty futile. But if you get them to understand, you get them to seek the knowledge themselves, you get them to find that path, then they will come to it on their own. And that's the whole point of Christianity. That's what Jesus was telling everyone. He's like, listen, I, I want you all to follow me, but you have to choose it yourselves. And so the first parable I want to start with, there's actually two this week, uh, and I'm going to go from Luke 15, 1 through 10. Uh, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Uh, that is ridiculous. Like when we read that, we think, well, what, how would you get sinful people? How would you get anyone to follow the message if you don't talk to them, if you don't eat with them, if you don't go with them? And, and Jesus would do that. And obviously, that had an impact on them. That helped them. We remember the story of Zacchaeus where he climbed up into a tree to see Jesus. We remember the song, and I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. But we remember how he climbed up in the tree and how he had done so many wrong, awful things. Uh, he had stolen money. He had lied. Uh, he had cheated. He had done all of these things to hurt people, to even hurt himself. And Jesus treated him like a human. He treated him like a person. He talked to him. And that changed Zacchaeus' life. It changed everything about him. It changed the people whose lives he touched from then on. And so you have Jesus going around telling these stories, these amazing wisdom-filled stories that will point people to the kingdom of God, that will point people to heaven, that will point people to a better life. And the Pharisees, the people who should have been in the forefront, clapping for Jesus and holding up lighters and doing all these things, saying, that's right, yeah, preach it, amen. Uh, they're, instead of doing that, they're saying, yeah, I don't like these people. Like, we want people like us to, to follow God, not people like him, not people like that. We don't want anybody else involved in this exclusive club. And we read that, and I hope that you feel just, like, that's stupid. Like, is that really how, how they were doing? Like, is that really what they thought? How could they not want the message to go out? And yet people today still live like that. Maybe we don't say it out loud. Maybe we don't act like it. But man, with actions, with words even, with lives, we, we treat people like, yeah, you can't come to the table. You have to stay over there. You have to stay out there. And that's what people do. And it sucks. And it's hard to see. And so Jesus is standing there getting ready to tell this story to everyone. 
Uh, he, he didn't care that the Pharisees were there. He wanted them to hear it. He wanted them to change. He, he didn't care that the sinners were there. He wanted them to hear it. He wanted them to change. He wanted the disciples there. Judas was there. All of these people were there listening, and Jesus knew that. Uh, if you ask anyone what the biggest problem with humanity is, there are so many answers that you'll get back. Uh, every, every possible political answer, all kinds of things, all over the board. But to me... What it comes down to, the biggest problem, the biggest flaw, the biggest issue with humanity then, with humanity now, the biggest issue is the inability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. We teach it. We talk about it. We say the golden rule. Treat others like you'd want to be treated. And then we get on Facebook. We get on Twitter. We get on text. We, we go out in public with our friends and we ignore it completely because we do not want to change. We do not want to understand other people. Uh, as teens, you probably see this and it probably drives you crazy because you're at this spot where you have hopeful optimism, I hope, uh, and you see like everything that could happen. You see people differently and you see adults, you see other generations say, yeah, yeah, yeah. we do what we do. Like this is a tradition. This is a custom. This is how we do it. Uh, we don't want to change. We don't want anybody to, to be here that we don't like. We don't want this to go better. We don't want to eat with sinners. We don't want to eat with different people. And it hurts. It's heartbreaking. And I want to say before I go on to this parable, uh, I plan out my, my series in advance. Uh, not, not in like a, I know exactly what I'm going to say because I don't do that until I start talking. But in a way where I, I look at each month of the year, there are 12, spoiler alert, sorry Terry, and, and I write down, say for example, uh, November, like, okay, something with Thanksgiving, something with food, something with doing good, something like that, Christmas, etc. And then I go through and I pray over it and I think about it and I, I look at what I've done in the past and all of these different things go into it. Uh, and, and I will try to come up with titles, usually clever titles, often stolen from TV or movies, copyright, whatever. Uh, and and I, I will do that. And then I will try to come up with scriptures uh, just to fill in the four weeks or the five weeks. Now, sometimes... Uh, that will change. Sometimes a whole series will change. Sometimes weeks will change because I plan it out so that I will have the freedom to, to feel God change those. And I say that because uh, early in the year, January, February, when I was planning this out, I looked at May and I had no idea COVID was going to happen. I had no idea protests were going to happen. I had no idea any of this were going to happen. And, and, and I, I was like, okay, so in May, I really want to talk. It's near the end of the school year. Again, didn't know it would be like this. Uh, and I want to talk about who they are because they're going into the summer and all of these different things. And I think that's something adults can hear. And I think that's something I can hear. And so I went through and I put four weeks down. And as we got to May, uh, I actually emailed Terry. And I was like, hey, you know, if you want to record a week in advance for Memorial Day, uh, then, then I'll go ahead and I added another week because there's no reason to cut it because we're not going to be in person. And Terry helpfully was like, uh, it's Memorial Day, it's tomorrow, dude. And so, because I don't know the calendar. And so uh, I, I, I planned another week in advance. Like I was like, okay, so I had four weeks because in quote unquote real life, like in person, uh, we wouldn't have been in session on Memorial Day. So I wouldn't have had a lesson for that. And so I was like, okay, well, I had uh, about who we are in Christ and Christ's love can't separate us. So I'm gonna push that back a week. And then this week I'm gonna talk about Peter. And so I did that. And man, 
I was so amazed at how timely that message became because during that week, we saw a a murder of an innocent man. We saw protests. We saw riots. We saw looting. We saw hatred all over the place. We saw hope all over the place. We saw political junk all over the place. And it was so, to me, necessary, not just to, to say, but to hear because Man, it's a time when we need to hear that message of loving everyone, of Christ loving everyone. And so I was like, wow, God, that's so cool. That's so amazing. And so I'm like, okay, next month is parables. So, man, that's not going to be controversial. That's parables. Those have been there a long time. And as I went through the couple weeks, like I tried not to get on social media too much, but I would see these things. And over and over and over again, I would see uh, just a reference to the parable that I'm about to tell, the lost sheep. And I'd be like, that's so crazy. Like, man, should I change this? What, what, what if people think that I added this? What if people think that I did this because of blah, blah, blah? This was something set in advance because I trusted God. And so as I read this parable, I don't want you to have anything else in your mind. I don't want you to know the story. I don't want you to think, well, this side says this and this side says this. I want you to hear Jesus' actual words. Okay, so here we go. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and hadn't strayed away. When I was a kid, Man, all the way up until I was a teen and, and even a little beyond probably, uh, I didn't really get this because I'd read it and I thought what a lot of people think, probably what most people think, probably what the Pharisees were sitting there thinking. Like, well, but one is less than 99. Like, shouldn't you focus on the 99? Like, yeah, that one sucks. Like, that's awful that, that he's gone. But, but those 99, what if somebody attacks them while you're gone? And like all of these thoughts and Jesus is like, no, no, no. Because those 99 know me. Those 99 are safe. Those 99 aren't in danger. And so some of the 99 were probably yelling, hey, 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 come back because all sheep matter. Come back because this is where you're supposed to be. Leave that one over there. We don't want him. He's different. He's gone. And some of the Pharisees, all of the Pharisees were probably saying the same thing. Maybe even some of the disciples at the time. They're saying, wait, this doesn't make any sense. 99, that's good. That's a vast majority. Some of them were saying, is he really lost? Because I've never felt lost. I've never felt injustice. I've never felt a problem. I've never felt like this. So is that really a problem? Because we have such an inability to put ourselves in other people's shoes. I have been more discouraged, more discouraged in these last two weeks by the capital C church, not this church, not other churches, just overall, than ever in my life. Not because of political stands they take, not because of political stands they don't take, but because we are not putting ourselves in other people's shoes. Last week I said people are so worried, or maybe I said it in my Facebook Live, I talk all the time now, sorry. But we're so tied to wanting to be right that we've stopped caring what is right about us. We've stopped caring about all of this. And so as Jesus told this message, I guarantee that every single person there had that moment where they're like, but that 99, like that's where we're supposed to be. Like focus on that. One, that's awful, but that's a pretty good percentage. In fact, if you, uh, in, throughout your life, you witness to 100 different people and 99 of them become Christians, man, That's a bigger success rate than Billy Graham. It's a bigger success rate than C.S. Lewis. It's a higher success rate than than even Jesus in his time on earth. 
99% is huge. But that one is still lost. That one is still hurt. That one is still broken. We have to feel for them. As I said, this is not something I planned in advance, but it is so clearly God's will upon my life, upon my words. I do not think that I am the only voice that everybody needs to hear. I do not think that I'm always right, even though I usually am. I do not think that I am perfect. Believe me, if you talk to me, if you know me, you know that I think pretty much the opposite. But I believe so strongly in the message of Christ. I believe so strongly in in what He tells me and how He leads me and what He places upon my heart that I am willing to to put myself in, in scary situations. I did a Facebook Live this past week and I spoke about Mr. Rogers and about treating people and about seeking justice and about loving everyone and caring for everyone, trying to understand everyone. I mentioned racism, I mentioned hope, I mentioned all of these different things. And I was unfriended by several people that it shocked me from other places that I've been. And it hurt. It did, it hurt. And I was thinking, oh, you know, woe is me. This, this, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do the wrong thing? But, but then I thought, man, if that hurts me, just for standing up for what's right, just for speaking directly from the Bible, what's Jesus feel? What did he feel when he told this parable? And the Pharisees walked away saying, man, he's telling the sinners this. We don't want them in. Man, he's telling the Samaritans this, the Gentiles. We don't want them in. When the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, you know, we don't want to do anything in public, but are you sure about this? And he'd be like, guys, you notice that you're not perfect either, right? You notice that at one point you were lost. At one point, all of us were lost. Maybe you were raised in the church. As teens watching this, most of you probably were, I hope. And that's awesome. That's a wonderful uh, uh, thing to have. It's a wonderful home to have. It's a wonderful family to have. It's a wonderful legacy to have. But we are not born Christians. We have to choose that. We have to find Jesus. We have to feel him. We are not born righteous. In fact, we are born in sin. That's what original sin is. And this parable is so vital to me. And I would guarantee that the dozens that watch this There are probably some right now that are like, it's too political, shut up. And I would also guarantee, and I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but I try to be like him, that so many people are like, man, he's so political now. The most heartbreaking thing to me is that humanity, the issues of love, issues of compassion, issues of empathy have become political. And I said last week, and I truly mean it, there is not a Christian political party. Both sides have right issues and both sides have wrong issues. And neither one of them cares about anything more than your vote. And I know most of you teens, you don't vote yet, but you will. And I don't mean to sound cynical. I don't mean that people don't get into politics. That's a lot of negatives, but whatever. Uh, That people don't get into politics with with a, a good intention. I truly believe that virtually every single person who runs for an office the very first time has good intentions. They think, I can change this. They think, I can do better. They think, whatever. Because we all think that. But then corruption happens, and, and, and uh, lobbyists, and, and payments, and whatever else. I'm not going to get into it. But they stop thinking about the one. They just focus on the majority. They just focus on them. They just focus on themselves. We cannot afford, as a church, as Christians, as teenagers, as adults, 
to not put ourselves in other people's shoes. That's the entire message of Jesus. That is how we get saved. That's how we show other people what to do. I'm going to read the second parable and it's same vein. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Uh, when I was, whenever I'm on camera, which is all the time now, I miss being in person because I don't like seeing myself on camera. Terry has thankfully made it to where it's very dark on the camera and I kind of just am speaking to the abyss. Uh, and, and yet it's not my comfort zone. Even less so than, than in front of a, a congregation. It's not my comfort zone. But I'm very aware of, like, well, I, I want to match. I want to have clothes that are okay. Like, I don't want to have holes in my clothes, all these things. And I have favorite shirts. Um, I have hundreds of shirts because I'm a nerd and I've been to a lot of comic cons. Uh, and I tend to wear, like, five of them because I'm a guy. And, and so I, I, whenever I'm about to have a Facebook Live, whenever I'm about to have uh, one of these, a live stream, whenever I'm about to go out in public and not just to the gym, I uh, have one of those shirts. Like if I'm in a situation that's going to be really uh, hard, I'm like, well, I want to have my favorite shirt or one of my favorite shirts. And so there have been many times, and by many times, I mean all of my life, where I do laundry and then I leave it on the floor because my laundry room is also my closet in my apartment. And so it's kind of the same thing as hanging it up, right? Sorry, mom. But, but it pretty much is. And so uh, I will very frequently, before work, before church, before Walmart, before anything, like that's basically my life, uh, I will walk in there in this big pile of clothes, and some of them Stevie sleeps on in my bedroom. Uh, it's my dog, if you don't know. And, and I will walk in there, and I will search frantically for a different shirt. I'll search frantically for what I'm looking for. And sometimes I'll pick up one and be like, oh, I didn't know I had this shirt. And that makes me sound very sad. But the point is, if I feel like I've lost something, I am insanely frantic to find it, whether it's a shirt or a card or a, a movie or my sanity, whatever it is. Like I frantically search for it. Like it's the most important thing in the world. It's all that I can think about. Maybe some of you guys understand this. Maybe when you're at school and you have an assignment that you can't find or a part in a book when you're trying to take notes. And yes, take notes. Learn how now. But, but something, maybe as parents, you're like, man, I know that I have this picture. I know that I have this flash drive. I know that I have my hair, like whatever it is. And you're like frantically trying to find it. That wasn't a shot at you, Terry. Frantically trying to find it. Because when we own something, when we have something, we want to know where it is, even if we don't use it. There have been so many times in my life where I'm like, I'll, I'll be watching TV or I'll be reading or I'll be doing something, just nothing's happening. And, and all of a sudden I'll be like, hey, you know what? I had this shirt or I had this book or I had this, where is it? And I will frantically go through the house. I have done this at three in the morning because I'll be laying there and I'll wake up and I'll be like, man, you know what? I think that I had a McDonald's toy that I really liked from when I was five. I wonder where that is. I wonder if I still have it. And I will go through the house and it's weird and crazy, but I'm so interested in finding what I have. And I think we all do that, maybe not to the level that I do, but we all kind of do that. This parable is about this, about a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Even though those nine coins, they're still valuable, that's enough. She's frantic for the one. If you are so willing 
to go crazy looking for a shirt, looking for a movie, looking for a new car, looking for a job, looking for whatever. But you don't care about helping other people, finding someone else who needs to hear Jesus, needs to feel Jesus, needs to see Jesus. Man, our priorities are messed up. We have to be as frantic about showing everyone else who Jesus is, about that one sheep. And that does not mean that the 99 sheep do not matter because they matter. It, it says that, that Jesus, like heaven, throws a party when that one sheep comes in. He's thrown that for each and every single one of the 99 too. We cannot afford, with the world the way it is, with the world the way it was, with the world the way it will be, we cannot afford to not live out our faith to its utmost. We cannot afford to not be like Jesus. We have to be better. I know that this is putting a lot on you, teens. I know last week I said that, that other generations have messed up and it's on you. You can do it. You can do it because as imperfect as the world is, as imperfect as, of each, as each of us are, Jesus is perfect. His message is perfect. His love is perfect. He is complete. The only way to be complete ourselves is to have him, to show him, to live him, to be his light. This is a very difficult time in this country, in this world. 2020 has been literally insane. I've seen all kinds of, of memes and, and, and pictures and things like that where it shows like, you know, what happened in January, what happened in February, et cetera, and then like next month is like aliens come, and the month after that is like an asteroid, like I don't remember, just all this stuff. And it's like it's very in vogue to point out all the insanity of 2020. Well, that's life. And I'm not diminishing any of that because it's all serious, and it's all hard, and it's all important. But we cannot give in to it. We have to not give in to politics. We have to not be like the world. We have to be transformed to help that one life, to seek that one life, to care about that one life. We have to put ourselves in every other person's shoes, whether they're another race or whether they're an officer or whether they're a Christian or whether they're not a Christian, whether they're another religion, whoever they are. It's time to stop being clever with our posts. It's time to stop telling people that we're right. It's time to stop trying to convince people that we're right, or more so to convince people that they're wrong, and to stand up and show them who Jesus was, the Jesus who stood in front of sinners, the Jesus who stood in front of Gentiles, the Jesus who stood in front of Pharisees, who stood in front of Samaritans, who stood in front of disciples. And treated them all the exact same and shared his message of love, of hope, of unity. He didn't care about politics. He cared about us. And he still does. And he has called us to seek the lost. Not just the lost in terms of faith, but the lost in terms of society. He has called us to be better than generations before. He has called us to stand up in His name. And I know that I said that's a lot on a teen, it's a lot on an adult, it's a lot on everybody listening. All seven of you. But we serve a God who is more than a lot. And through Him we are enough. Through Him we are complete. 
as we go through this series, every week's not going to be like this. Every week's not going to be something where it fits so perfectly into what's going on. Although it's God, so maybe. But every week I'm going to look at parables of Jesus. The most perfect parables, the most wise parables, parables that were told thousands of years ago and yet still work today. I'm going to help all of us, including myself, find the best answers, find the truth, find the way forward, because we can only do that through Him. We can only do that by caring about other people, by putting ourselves in their shoes. We can only do that by being His light. That's all I got.